Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world. fellow uh, sister in crime. Uh, You know, this podcast is really open for all authors, but my sweet spot are those who write thrillers, suspense, true crime, um, police procedurals, that kind of stuff. And so my guest today, Deborah Gaskill, she does all of that. Um, I had the honor of meeting her at Killer Nashville. It is a writer's conference that we both attended and um, she, we connected uh, over um, my call for authors to sign up for a podcast, and, and now here we are. But I'd like to tell you a little bit about her. She, uh, well, first of all, this is so interesting. I have to put it, I have to tell you, uh, which has nothing to do with uh, writing or this podcast, but it's so fun. So she totally raises like alpacas and llamas. And she, and then she takes their wool and gets it spun and knits stuff with it. And dyes it too. And, and you dye it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that's the whole thing. And she yep. told me, she told me that al, um, alpacas actually can carry things for your packing, for your camping trips. And that's a whole thing. I, we didn't, I didn't know. So <laughs> I think, I, I think our audience needs to know this juicy stuff. <laughs> But okay, okay. So, in in her former life, she was a, the managing editor of the Washington Courthouse um, Ohio Record Herald. She was an award winning journalist for more than twenty years, uh, writing for a number of Ohio newspapers. Um, and she covered juicy stuff. So she covered the cops and the court beats and the Associated Press, covering any stories um, thrown her way. And during her tenure at the Record Herald, the paper earned two Associated Press General Excellence Awards. Can you tell us about those awards really quick? Well, they're broken down by market size. So we're not competing against, say, someone like the New York Times. We're competing against other small newspapers. Um, And it's just generally an overall excellence award. What kind of big stories did you have? How did you handle them? How did it look on the page? Were you, was it just good journalism being rewarded is really what they are. Wow. Well, you, you brought that knowledge of newspapers to your Jubilant Fall series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's history's barn burner, mm-hmm. uh, that was, uh, 2009 and the mayor's wife, 2010 lethal little lies. Sounds like, mm-hmm. a, sounds like a movie. Yeah. Uh, 2013 we murder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Murder on the Lunatic Fringe and Death of a High Maintenance Blonde. You don't say 2015. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. All center around crimes committed in the fictional small town Jubilant Falls, Ohio, and often center around the damage family secrets can do. Don't get me started on that one. Right. Mayor's <laughs> wife received honorable mention in the 2011 Writer's Digest self-published book awards and Barn Burner was a finalist for the Silver Falchion Award at Killer Nashville, which is a true honor. It's it's super hard to get because there are so many amazing writers. Um, yeah. My goodness, the level of excellence there is, is just really good. Mm-hmm. Her latest novel, Counterfeit Life, uh, released in 2020, returns um, at least... Uh, yeah, it, okay, so it returns to Jubilant Falls and to those familiar characters. Her private detective novel, Cough Bits, sounds like a TV show, right? Um, and your lips to God's ears. <laughs> 2015, featuring the private investigator, um, Niccolo Fitzberg, was named Best Thriller at the Queen of the West Book Bash in Cincinnati. Uh, the, the series brings her cops and courts experience together in a mystery that creates complex characters and places them in real settings, according to custom, customer reviews on Amazon.com. That, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do want to I do want to touch on customer reviews because we, we need to talk about the importance of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
By 2016, the series included two more books, Holy Fritz and Love Fritz, and was named Best Thriller Series at Queen of the West Book Bash. In 2018, the fourth book, The Fracton a Gumshoe Series, Kissing Fritz, was awarded the Silver Falchion Best Suspense Award at Killer Nashville, another great achievement. And the award was presented to her by internationally known author Anne Perry. Wow. I know. No so lucky. I wasn't there for that one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it was just like, I am not worthy <laughs> to take this award from you. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Also a Silver Falchion finalist. The sixth book in the Fracton, Fracktown Gumshoe series, Finding Fritz, was released in late 2020. So Deborah has an associate's degree in liberal arts from Thompson, Thomas Nelson Community College in Hampton, Virginia, a bachelor's in English and journalism from Wittenberg University, and a master's of fine arts in creative writing from Antioch University in Yellow Springs. She and her husband, Greg, a retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, have two children and three grandchildren. They raise llamas and alpacas on their farm in Ohio. Welcome. What a wonderful title. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. That's exciting. So, so what is your current role in the publishing industry? Well, I'm a, I'm a self-published author. Um, I also have a... Um, small publishing firm where I offer um, covers and line editing and book formatting for indie authors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm still trying to bang out the, I'm working on the eighth Fitz novel now. What? Yeah. Okay. That's so, yeah. Cause I just lost track of how, just how many, how many books do you have out total? 14, 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the 15th. There's another book under a pen name uh, of Anne Hunter Nash called um, My Mother's Ashes as well. Okay. And that's under a different name just because it's not a mystery. Oh, I see. Okay. So what kind of book, what kind of genre, what genre is that? uh, I would say probably uh, women's fiction. Okay. Hmm. So, so would that describe the projects that you're currently working on? Nope. Okay. So what no, are you? I'm you know, back to the back to the thrillers and the mystery novels, detective okay. novels. Okay. Wow. So so discuss um, your journey as a writer, a networker, and industry professional. Um, and in a nutshell, just describe how you manage your various obligations in the publishing industry, especially someone who's managing an entire. Um, you know, publishing house. Well, Even though it's a small one, it's still it's still a big deal. Right, right. Well, I have I I have folks who I contract with for the editing and the covers. I do the formatting, um, and basically, you know, I don't take a I don't take a percentage of of the uh, sales from that person. I just ask that they let our have our logo on the back. And, and that's it. Um, right now, things are kind of slow, but I kind of figured that it's, you know, getting close to the holidays and with uh, the other things that have been going on in my life, my daughter's wedding, uh, conferences that I've been to, it's been a little crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I have not, I have not um, had a, a real time to um, promote that or... Um, look for clients or have, nor have I been approached by, by clients. So. Okay. Yeah. And some of that is intentional because you know yes. that personal life is busy. Okay. Well, um, are there any, is there any advice that you would like to share with our author community regarding marketing and building platform? Because especially running a publishing house that that, that would definitely be important to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, um, you have to, you have to be on social media, like it or not. You don't have to be on all social media. You just do the do the one that you like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like if you like Twitter, be 
be on Twitter. If you like TikTok, be on TikTok. If yes. Facebook makes you comfortable, that's fine. Or Instagram um, or of any other social media that's out there. But you know, as most authors are introverts, it's really, really hard to promote yourself. And yeah. you, it, you know, and what was really particularly hard for me as a journalist, it's like, you, I do not get in the middle of a story, you know, <laughs> that's just yeah. the way you're trained. And so it's very difficult for me to, to say, Hey, I wrote a book, you know, yeah, I did. Yeah. And it's the most wonderful book in the world and you need to buy it, you know? So yeah. that took a while for me to get used to, mm -hmm. to doing, but I'm, I'm more comfortable doing it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when you're putting out a product that is obviously um, very good with all of Thank the accolades you. that you've you've accumulated and um, definitely definitely seen as someone who's accomplished and very talented. Um, the Silver Falchion is, like I, I explained earlier at Killer Nashville, it's, it's tough. It's hard to get and it's you're competing against a lot of very accomplished, talented people. So congrats. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So, so are there any words of encouragement you have for authors uh, that struggle with common issues? Um, and these would be rejection, isolation, and marketing. <laughs> um, well, I um, isolation is the toughest, um, mm -hmm. which is why Killer Nashville is the one conference in the year that I do not miss. Yeah. Um, the the atmosphere there is so supportive and it's and the one thing that I do like is that it the conference looks at uh, your the quality of the work that you put out not whether you're an indie publisher or whether you're you know published by the big five you know it's yeah. you learn to write well Mm -hmm. And to be able to sit down with folks and say, oh, my God, I can't get through this part of my book. The middle is so hard. It's sinking, yeah. you know, or, you know, anything like that is just so helpful. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would also recommend finding a writer's critique group. Mm. Um, and those can be kind of tricky. Uh, I run a writer's critique group, which which our, our policies are, it has to be actionable critique, not just, I like it or it sucked. <laughs> you know, I liked it because it kept yeah. moving. I liked it because the um, character was fully developed, whatever that is. And you know, things that you can take home and, and work on mm -hmm. and you know, the writer's group always picks up things like, well, he had brown eyes in chapter four, and now in chapter eight, he's got green eyes. You know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but but uh, it's, those are, those are probably the biggest things I can, you know, find your community, find your tribe. Mm -hmm. And I love my writer's group. Yeah. Okay, and this is one you said you run? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It, it originally started, I live in Southern Ohio, um, on the outer edges of Appalachia. Okay. And uh, so this is further down south in uh, Southern Ohio. And it was originally started to give um, people of the area, particularly women who didn't have access to write an outlet. And in fact, tomorrow we're putting on a uh, we're putting on a, a free writers seminar for anyone in the community. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Okay, so the, that's wow. That's very giving. So where where is it at? Like a library or something like it's that? It's at it's in Chillicothe, Ohio, and it is um, at the Pump House Art Gallery. An art gallery. Mm -hmm. Oh my this goodness. is a neat old building. The pump house used to be where all the machinery was for uh, the water system in Chillicothe back in the early 1900s. And it's this gorgeous old Victorian brick building. Yeah. And um, it was the uh, water system was destroyed in a, in a flood oh. um, 
in the early 1900s. And if you go to the pump house, there is a mark at the top of the stairs where the water stopped on the second story in that flood. And so it, it, um, it was vacant for many, many years. And a gentleman named Ted Fickison, who is a local artist, came to um, city and uh, said, you know, let's, let's rehab this building. Let's make it a place for the community. And that's what it's become. Wow. So it's an art gallery and then it has meeting rooms where you can put yes. on public seminars. Mm -hmm. That's and do you charge for it? You said, no, you said it's free. Yep. Okay. Wow. That's very giving. That's mm -hmm. exciting. And, and so that, and it shows you just how generous uh, writers tend to be. Mm -hmm. There's something about, I, don't, I just love this community. There's something about them that is so generous. Yes. And you talked about Killer Nashville. You, you leave with, you leave so full. Oh, uh, even if you're, even if you're doing a panel, even if you're on a panel or you're speaking or teaching, you still leave full of support, mm -hmm. networking, information. You always, no matter how much you know, you always come back with, yes. wow, I didn't know that. Okay, so I, so authors can be on TikTok and that's a thing. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to go with that. So I'm, I'm glad that you um, brought that out about how giving and generous that you guys are. Well, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Yes, and, love know, that, yeah. And, and, why why shouldn't you or any other writer enjoy the success that other writers have had you know if i happen to know something that you don't or you know something i don't why not share it yeah that's good well can you share like one method that you use to keep focused and organized um, as you manage various projects well um as a journalist i'm very deadline oriented Okay. And um, so I have, um, I try to do a production calendar for the year because I can bang out two mysteries a year. That's not happened this year or yeah. through the pandemic, but you know, hey, life gets in the way. Um, and I, I have a 500 word a day um, goal. Some days I can, some days I can meet that. Some days I exceed it. Some days I look back on it and think I made, I've written better grocery list. <laughs> um, but um, as long as, you know, 500 words is, is the average length of a sewer rate increase story. And I could bang a sewer rate increase story out really quickly. You know, so um, it's, um, that's that's my big thing and, and you have to treat it like a business yeah you have, you have to be very serious about all of this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not a hobby mm -hmm. what, what is, tell us what a sewer rate in, increase story is what is that oh that's like okay you know it, the first line would be voters will be facing a two percent increase in their sewer rates according to ballot language put on blah 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 you know? oh wow you know okay i like that mm -hmm. so why do you recommend and how do you recommend lacing our author books and platforms with moral messages well i think mystery readers are people who are looking for justice if not in their own lives then certainly in their fiction yeah um i think people want um, people want to know that that the the bad guy got his or hers, mm -hmm. and that that right triumphed over wrong. And um, I think that that's generally the um, the theme that that I bring. Uh, since I'm working with crimes you know there's there's the victim there's there's the perpetrator and the perpetrator isn't always com you know com completely evil and yeah. the hero isn't always completely good yeah. you know we have shades of gray throughout our lives mm -hmm. that's good mm -hmm. yeah. well 
Are there any other author news um, events that you'd like to update our listeners about? And also, how can the writing community stay in touch with you and the, and the reader community stay in touch with you? Well, I have a website, uh, Um I'm also on Facebook as author Deborah Gaskill or Deborah Gaskill author. I can't remember which one. And I'm on Instagram. Yeah. I'm learning TikTok, so hopefully I will be on TikTok soon. <laughs> same. Yeah, same. It's like a few talk hurdle. But your website yeah. um, is, is, is super engaging. Thank you. Smoke in the background. It's, it's hey, hop on her website. It's a cool, it's a cool looking website. Great book covers and Thank yeah. You. Yeah, lots of fun things to poke around when you mm-hmm. when you there. Hey, so uh, this is nothing to do with with writing or this podcast pretty much, but those mm-hmm. in the background. What are the what are those for? The what's in the background? The ribbons. I didn't you understand. Line, you have a line of ribbons back there. Oh, behind. those those are from uh, showing llamas. Wow. <laughs> so, so an award-winning author and also an award-winning <laughs> alpaca owner. Yeah, and llama. Yeah, I've got I've got a lot more in in my office, but my husband's using the office. So. Oh my goodness! Wow. Well, is there are there any parting words that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I think probably we all start with the same number of letters and as long as you keep at it, you'll, you'll get there. Be willing to take constructive, constructive critique Yeah. and know that there are people out there who will gladly help you. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that you talked about being deadline um, oriented um, Mm -hmm. love that you said that a rising tide lifts all boats thank you yeah and I I also love um, that you shared how you have this 500 word a day goal Uh, and and so and and also love that readers are are looking for justice if not in their own life at least in the stories that they read right if they can't get it in their own life they're certainly looking for it in their fiction yeah exactly yeah so that that's something really rich that our listeners can take with them. But um, thank you so much, Deborah, for hanging out with us. We learned so much from you. And so um, listeners, let's not forget to use our words to pierce through the darkness. To our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. I'm excited for our guest today. Yes, that's my thing. I'm always excited, uh, but I really am. I, I just love this lady. I, I met Cam a few years ago at Blue Ridge. It's a conference that we both go to and man i tell you one one year in particular was this was this um my goodness was this 2020 cam when you cleaned up all those awards oh i don't i don't know that cleaned up i came first in something <laughs> i think it was 2020 <laughs> okay I, I, what I, I would think of it as cleaning up i was like <laughs> i was ready for third so you know i was i was thrilled oh, yeah first. well she she is in the, and, and her full name is cam did I pronounce that right? You did. Good job. Good okay, job. You have a fancy last name there, so I just want to make sure. Yeah. Is that uh-huh. French? Well, it's got that influence. Um, uh-huh. And I'm real into family trees, so don't ask me too many questions or we'll get totally sidetracked. Okay, okay we will. <laughs> totally. Okay. Let's not do it. Okay. So she is an award-winning author, see, I told you, who loves to share her passion for history through both the, the written and spoken word. Wow, see, look at that. You were fit from the beginning, right? You, you're you're part of my tagline. Look at that. Um, right. she, and, <laughs> she and her husband, they reside in South Carolina, where in 2013, concern for America compelled her to write. What concern, Cam? There's nothing going on here in America. <laughs> Everything is perfect. Everything is beautiful. Everything is perfect. <laughs> I don't know where you live. <laughs> Under oh, a rock. So, 
2021, Redemption Press published her debut novel, which is set in Boston in the years leading up to the Revolutionary War. This captivating story seeks to remind Americans what our founding fathers believed was worthy of a fight. Cam's research has taken her to many of the American colonies and even across the big pond. She's hard at work on her second novel, which will pick up where the first one left off, on the brink of war with the British Empire. Oh my gosh. And so <laughs> your book is called The Spirit of Revolution, Boston Liberty's Cradle. That's a, uh, the second uh, title, but it's really called the, the Spirit of Revolution. It's got a beautiful cover. And um, Cam, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. Well, thank you for having me. I've really been looking forward to it. Um, I enjoyed meeting you a few years ago, and uh, we raced each other up a hill and found out we both had a competitive spirit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was very sad. Very sad, but true. Um, there's a hill. You know what's very sad? I'm thinking. I, th I think this may be. You may be a. You may be like the third person I tried to race up that hill. But anyway, <laughs> because it started, it started coming out, coming out on the podcast, and I'm like, oh boy. Uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> press conference center, where there are lots of other conferences, but this one in particular, Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference. There is a hill. Oh my gosh. It's a serious hill. You, a ser you have to climb this hill to get to ev everywhere. Now, smart people, they find a way around this hill and they go through other things, but not Cam and I. <laughs> I save that for later in the conference. I know where all the elevators are because I have bad knees, but when you're trying to race to sign up for something, it's like, by golly, I'm going to I'm gonna conquer this hill. I actually yeah. went to high school. Boy, we digress. But I went to high school and uh, track was a big deal. And I was not in track, but they had, it was in the mountains, and uh, they had a hill. They called it Killer Hill. <laughs> I, think oh. I, I think I tried it one time, and I'm like, I don't think track is for me. <laughs> wow. Well, you wouldn't have known it the way she's, um, she's competing against me here. I don't remember who won, though. I'm pretty sure it was me, though. I don't know. I think we all were winners, <laughs> right? <laughs> Isn't that the current idea? <laughs> yes. We all get a trophy, no matter what happens. That's, right, that's, right. That's the new way. But <laughs> I, I, I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, you know, we 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 um we get to connect on a couple of different levels. We uh, we, we belong to uh, Word Weavers, and um, we got to see each other the other night at Open Mic. And so, Cam, I'm I'm proud of you. Uh, who would have known when we were racing up that hill and you were you were winning that award? That, that you would have been on this podcast now. Yeah, yeah. Time moves along. Mm -hmm. So so can you tell us what your current role in the publishing industry is? Well, I'm wearing a couple of hats. One is the primary and the other is kind of secondary. Uh, my primary role is that I'm a writer uh, of historically accurate novels. Uh, I don't like calling it historical fiction. I cringe when I say that because fiction to me um, connotates you're making things up. And I spent eight years working on my first novel because I wanted to get the facts as accurate as possible. And uh, so I prefer to refer to uh, my genre as historically accurate um, novels uh, as opposed to hi historical fiction. But if people say historical fiction, that's fine. Um, and so being a writer, since I'm wanting to do historically accurate, that takes a lot of my time. I'm hoping my second novel is going to be faster, maybe just two or three years. Uh, I'm, about a, I'm about a year or so into it. Uh, so we'll see. And uh, but then the other hat that I wear periodically is public speaking, uh, you know, such as this. Um, and uh, next year, I've, I've tried not to push it too much, uh, but next year is the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party, uh, mm. which uh, is happens to be the climax of my first novel. 
And oh. so I'm assuming, you know, I'm kind of laying some groundwork for uh, getting out there and doing a little bit more public speaking um, uh, for the 250th anniversary. Hmm. So, so what other projects have you been working on? Well, uh, there are two that come to mind. One is that I'm really excited that I've been working on an audiobook for my first novel. And um, I'm not the uh, narrator. Uh, and a big part of that is because men are most of my characters uh, in my books. Uh, but two, it's set in Boston. And in case you haven't figured it out, I'm not from Boston. <laughs> oh, wow. I am not just not from Boston, I'm from the South. And so uh, I have somebody who's doing a great job with it. And we're, we're on the verge, we think, of getting it out there. We're dotting some I's and crossing some T's. And uh, so hopefully it'll be out there within the next few weeks, hopefully before Christmas, we'll see. Um, but I'm just really excited about, uh, about getting that out there. And then the other project that I'm currently working on is my second novel, uh, which, as you said in my intro, is going to pick up where the first novel left off. Um, and so the first novel is set in Boston. And, um, you know, basically the 10 years leading up to the Revolutionary War. And then the second uh, book will be set in uh, mostly Virginia and Philadelphia, maybe with a dash or two of North Carolina uh, in there. Mm. Uh, I use people in my family tree uh, as the main characters, um, but they are, um, they're surrounded by people that everyone knows, such as Paul Revere and Samuel Adams and John Hancock and those kinds of people. Um, so, uh, so those are the couple things that I'm, I'm working on right now, the audio book, and then really trying to get some writing done on book number two. Mm, excellent. Well, can you discuss your journey as a writer, networker, and industry professional? So in a nutshell, describe how you manage your obligations in the, in the publishing industry. Sure. Um, you know, I've always loved the, the term journey. Um, and um, about 10 years or so ago, I was having a growing concern uh, for our country. Um, and I was also, I'd also been doing some family tree research. I, little known fact, uh, I used to be a licensed residential builder and wow. had, my, had my own construction company. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, that's, a, that's a story in and of itself. But um, when everything came crashing down in 2008, actually in the construction industry, it was more like 2006, but everybody knows 2008, um, I ended up having lots of time on my hands because people weren't wanting to build houses. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing a lot of family tree research. At the time I was living in the state capital and so I had a lot of resources at my fingertips. And in 2013, I was on a family vacation and I woke up on the last day of family vacation. Those in the audience who are, um, are writers can get this. You know, when you get away from it all, you kind of start having more creative thoughts and things pop into your head that maybe they wouldn't do when we're in the, you know, midst of the rat race, day-to-day -day yeah. rat race. And uh, so last day of family vacation, I woke up about 4.30 in the morning and I was laying there, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can use the people in my family tree to tell the story mm -hmm. and remind people what our founding fathers believe was worth fighting for. Right, wow. And, um, and so, you know, it just really uh, developed in my mind and I got home and um, went to the library and checked out some books about what it means to, to write a book. And, um, and, you know, I thought, well, you know, it'll be finished in a year or two. Well, eight <laughs> years later, <laughs> it came out. Yeah. And so, so that's kind of part of my journey, my writer's journey. Uh, as far as how I manage uh, my obligations, 
um, it, you know, it's really tough balancing uh, mm -hmm. life as a writer with what we would consider normal life because yeah. a writer's life is not normal. No. Um, and so many people don't get the writer's life. Um, and I think it's extremely important to have the support of at least one family member if you're a writer. Uh, if it can be uh, a spouse, that's mm -hmm. ideal because obviously that's who's under your roof and um, can understand it when you say, I need to go in my office for a couple mm -hmm. of hours. And, yeah. you know, if you hear kicking and screaming and whatever, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, a few years ago, I was writing a, a, a scene related to somebody passing away, and mm -hmm. it was uh, and so I came out of my office after a few hours and went to my husband, and I just had this long look on my face, and I said, "I've been at a funeral all day." Mm -hmm. He's like, "I thought you were here." <laughs> oh my god. And uh, so, you know, we have all these people running around in our heads uh, as authors and not everybody gets that. But if no. at least one family member and hopefully a friend or two uh, can jump in and support you and encourage you, uh, that can be uh, very, very uh, helpful as we manage those obligations uh, as writers. And uh, I, yeah. go ahead. No, no. I, I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you finish, and then I have something to tell you. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say one other thing related to managing your obligations is, as a writer, you've got to decide: is this a priority, and is this a job, or is this a hobby? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not saying, and you know, each person is different. Your answer is gonna be different. But a few years ago, my husband and I decided that writing was going to be a priority for me. And that mm -hmm. means that I have hours set aside that I am in my office sitting down uh, and I might not be typing out words, but at least I'm working on the book, you know, whether it's yeah. research or whatever. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's really important to make it a priority. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now there, there are a couple of things I wanted to piggyback on. I was just chuckling when you talked about telling your husband that you'd been at a funeral all day yeah because those kinds of things tends to happen with writers and um the other thing i love that you said is gosh um cam there is a horrible echo i don't know what's happening okay can you hear that well there's a little bit of i don't know if it's an echo or breaking up or something on on your end are you hearing that on my end as well I hear it as an echo. My okay. Voice. I don't know why. Yeah, that that's very distracting. <laughs> yeah. I'm not hearing it on my end. And let no. me go back and close a couple things that we opened while we were getting set up to make sure nothing on my end is causing that. Yeah. So I will I will um, edit this out. Okay. Yeah, it sounds a little gravelly what I'm hearing coming from you. I don't know if that you're hearing that from me or not. No, you sound great. Okay. The mic was well worth my investment. <laughs> so the guy that's doing my audio actually told me what brand to buy. So. <laughs> okay, is it a Yeti? Uh, you know what? Now that I think about it. I, the, what he told me to buy was too expensive and so there was another one and he asked somebody else he's like oh that's a good one it's a it's a m-a-o-n-o maano okay. and of course it had good reviews on on amazon or wherever oh okay I, it's been a while since i bought it i want to say it was like 50 bucks or something yeah it wasn't cheap but it wasn't like 200 bucks horrible okay <laughs> all right so I'm going to just try to ignore the reverb and just steam, go ahead and steam ahead. <clears throat> oh, so you're no. still hearing it. I still hear it, but I'm, I'm going to, now I don't hear it, so that's good. Okay. Ah. So I wanted to piggyback on what you said about coming out of your office and saying you'd been at a funeral all day. That is something that it's important for readers and, and um, also writers to hear that and to understand that in our world, it, we are so immersed 
as writers that it becomes real to us. Yes. And and I had I had so many similar experiences. I remember one time there was a character. He was actually my antagonist. He was a bad guy. But I when I was like, when is he going going to ever die? He's so evil. He's just doing the most. And finally, I remember coming out of my office and I'm like, honey, such and such, he finally died. He's like, who? And I'm like, the bad guy. <laughs> so, so these these characters, we become attached to them. Even the bad people were heavily invested. And so, I'm really glad that you brought that to light because it's so important for both readers and writers to understand that this is a very real part of a writer's life. Yeah, um, yeah. And and two comments related to that um, um, is that. I consider it a privilege for me to really be digging into this history mm-hmm. because it is real. It really did happen. Mm-hmm. And how many people can you talk to in the world that can tell you what John Hancock's Myers-Briggs personality type is? I can't. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because I got to know him. And wow. so uh, so it's, it's really, really cool to not just be getting into it and immersed into it that's the perfect word um and it not be reality it's re it was reality um Mm -hmm. and and you mentioned the antagonist i'm sorry i'm kind of getting sidetracked here but you mentioned the antagonist and i don't think i've mentioned to you but the antagonist in my first book his last name is hutchinson Sorry, sorry. Maybe, maybe that's why we were racing each other up the hill. Maybe so. <laughs> my, my inner William Molyneux and your inner Thomas Hutchinson uh, just still, we're still duking it out. <laughs> I, the Hutchinson, I believe, is British, and I think it's, that was from my father's side. Okay, yeah, he was, yeah. He was African American, um, Scottish, and and Scottish and, and had some British roots. So okay. that's probably where that all came from. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he, he was he was born and raised in, in uh, the colonies in America, but then he ended up in exile back in England and died there. Oh, wow. Sorry. Okay. I hope that wasn't a spoiler. <laughs> no, that, that makes us want to read. So that's exciting. Hmm. So, so what advice can you share with our author community regarding things like um, marketing, you know, building platforms. Uh, what can you speak to them about the, those different things that we often hear as writers? Sure. If anyone has been a writer for very long and mm-hmm. also tried to market, you understand that they're very different skill sets. Right. And, you know, that's helpful to understand. If you're going, if you're wanting to be published traditionally, then marketing is a huge deal. I mean, I I had my own construction company. I've been self-employed for many years in in lots of different capacities. And I understand that a publishing house is in business to make money. And I don't begrudge that. And so if you go the traditional route, then there, you really need to make sure and they need to make sure that it's going to be worth it uh, mm-hmm. for them. And so I get that. I had originally thought I would go the traditional route, but mm-hmm. then some things came up uh, right as I was getting toward publication that made it obvious that the hybrid route was the way for me. And so that's given me, and there were various reasons for that. Uh, one mm-hmm. was going traditional route takes a few years, you know, to get your book out there. And my yeah. husband and I were thinking, we're not so sure the country has that long. <laughs> so we really <laughs> felt like that it needed to get out there sooner rather than later. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not, not rush in the sense that, you know, poor quality and that kind of thing. I mean, eight years, yeah. I don't think anybody would call rush. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but so, but if you go hybrid or uh, self-publishing route, then there's more flexibility with regards mm-hmm. to how much and when you do your marketing. If you want your book to get out there, you're going to have to do some marketing uh, yeah. regardless of how you get published. And so what I've done, I put together a, a um, book proposal 
uh, over, you know, the, the several years that I was working on my book. And I think I ended up with about five or more pages of marketing ideas. Mm-hmm. And so even though I didn't go the traditional publishing route for my first book, I felt like that um, putting those ideas on paper has helped me and I've laid tons of groundwork. As a former builder, I know how important the foundation is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, yeah. very important. And so I've laid tons of groundwork. I've done some marketing. I've uh, been at some conventions and conferences where I've been an exhibitor and a speaker. And uh, I've, um, I've uh, been on podcasts, you know, like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've written some articles, you know, so I've done various things. It's been tons of work. But writing the historically accurate novels, especially, I've just had to decide I need to get these books finished before yeah. I spend as much time as I may eventually spend on marketing. And um, so, uh, so marketing is very important. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking back to what your question actually was, advice. Uh, I know for the conventions I've been to, uh, the banners that I've had, that, you know, banners mm-hmm. are not cheap. <laughs> they're no. retractable banners, the banners you put up uh, at yeah. the back of the booth. They're not cheap, but I really feel like that that was a huge part of what attracted people to my booth and you know book sales and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so especially early on you're going to be forking out a lot of time and money when -hmm. it comes to marketing i mean you don't have to but it can be you know it it can pay returns i'm thinking oh my goodness i'm signing up for a conference next year and i'm not going to have to redo the banner exactly you know and so, uh, so sometimes you have to do what you can when you can, and eventually it accumulates. And I've heard this from other people in the past that little by little, you know, can really add up. And when you're at the beginning, you think you see this mountain. <laughs> you're right. thinking, I can't climb that mountain. Exactly. But little by little, it eventually does accumulate. And you look back and go, oh, you know what? I have done several things that I didn't think were possible. Well, it might not be possible in your first month, but maybe in your first three years, uh, you can accomplish. And so you might need to have a longer term perspective uh, rather than just, the, oh, my goodness, this all these other authors are doing this. I've got to go out and do this right now. Well, maybe, maybe not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I love I love that you talk about your the, your background in construction. And so, I grew up in construction. My father owned a construction company. Really? Yeah. And so we all had to work in construction. Um, and so I know it just, it might sound far fetched to someone who's listening, but believe it or not, you learn lots in that industry because you have to you have to network. Yes. It, um, construction, no, no matter where you live, can become a very small community. And so you have to be careful about burning bridges, what you right. say about other people, um, building a good reputation, uh, being professional, yes. having quality work. So those are all great building blocks to marketing yourself and building your platform, don't you think? Yes, 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 definitely. I, I actually... Um, after construction, uh, went through a career change, um, did something else for a while. Um, and then I'm like, you know, that's a good fit. It's not a great fit. Long story short, I met with some career counselors and found out I had been doing project management for more than 20 years at that point. Mm -hmm. And all the different things I'd done, whether it was building a house or now writing a book or um probating an estate they were all projects uh and so i ended up getting an international certification in project management and i literally now i literally now teach the class (laughs) Mm, and um although i've taken a sabbatical this year because i just needed to you know get back on top of life and focus on uh, book number two and that kind of thing but yeah the skills that you use whether it's in construction or other things that maybe some of your listeners have been involved in you can use those same skills to translate into writing a book mm-hmm. yeah 
Well, are there any words of encouragement you can offer to those struggling with common author struggles such as rejection, isolation, and marketing? Do writers get discouraged? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, it can be so discouraging because so much of your time is spent in your own cave and I think it's very important to um two things one to stay in your own lane you know figure out what your your lane is um mm-hmm. you know and and that can be helpful because it's so easy to compare to other people but we're created to be unique and mm-hmm. again if you're going traditional publishing route then there's certain things that in the industry it's like hey this is the way you need to do it for us to be willing to publish your book Um, but I feel like it's also important, uh, to figure out who you are as a person and as a writer, I was really good in high school at writing term papers. Mm -hmm. And so the research and all of that came naturally for me. But when I got into writing books nine years ago, all of a sudden threw that out the window and I'm like, oh, but it's done differently when you are writing a book. Well, I've decided no, I need to take those skills and the things that I was really good at and apply them and figure out what method works for me. Um, Because we're all different. And so if we're trying to do a method that works for somebody else, it may or may not work for me. Right. That's good. good. Yeah. And then the second word of encouragement that I would give would be to join a writer's group Mm-hmm. Um, that just, I did that within probably a month of, um, of deciding that I had a book to write or, you know, several books to write. And I just can't imagine life without that. And if there's not a writer's group in your area, then you can either create one or you can join one that's online. You know, in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. we've all learned about how to do things online, you know, meetings yeah. online. And uh, so I I think that a big part of that is uh, that writing is such a unique job and it's encouraging to be with other writers because they get it. Mm -hmm. They understand that we have people running around in our heads and they understand Mm -hmm. how hard it is to actually sit down and start writing when you feel like, Oh, but I need to take out the trash or I need to do this. I need to clean the tile in the bathroom with my toothbrush. You know, (laughs) we can come up with all kinds of things to do besides sit down and put the words on the page. And when there are other writers in our lives and they can say, you know what, you really need to sit down and write. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Well, can you can you share a method, just just one method to help us keep focused and organized as we manage various projects? Sure, sure. Uh, I can teach a thirty-five hour class on project management, but I'll just give you one little tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and this is actually you know from the writer's perspective. Again, we can get so distracted, and I feel like that is helpful to if you've made it a priority and it's not just a hobby to set aside specific days and times that this is what I'm going to write. This is what I'm going to sit down. And for me, I've been kind of developing that more over the last year uh, because again, I'm on a sabbatical from teaching. And so I've had a little bit more flexibility. And so I have two days where I am focused on my book most of the day, you know, from from like 8.30 till three o'clock in the afternoon. And then the next day I have a half a day. And then that way I can kind of clean up anything that didn't get done uh, in that first day. And so two full days and two half days uh, each week. But of course, as we've talked about, marketing is also part of that. And so it really limits the writing time. Uh, But you've got to decide, okay, how much time a week am I going to put into writing and then make it a priority? And just like any other job, you just you just not going to be distracted by oh so and so just called and said hey let's do lunch well mm-hmm. you know what i'm not saying don't ever do that i'm just saying that you can't let every single thing that comes along as an interruption 
um, mm -hmm. become the priority over your writing. Um, exactly. It is hard. It is hard. It's a balancing act. But I feel like setting aside specific days and times and letting your family know, hey, this is when I'm going to be in the office or, you know, at your dining room table, whatever. I'm focused. I really need this hour or two hours or five hours or whatever it is. And then I'll be available again after three o'clock. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. Well, how, how do you and why do you recommend lacing our author books and platforms with moral messages? Well, I'll start with the why part. Uh, life is short, and I think the older we get, the more we realize just how life, uh, how short life is. Yeah. And if we want to make an impact, we've got to invest our time in ways that make a difference mm -hmm. uh, in the world around us. And of course, for many, uh, that means spending our time, times, time in a way that makes a spiritual impact. Uh, in the lives of others. And then the how part of that, or, you know, the why or how for, for me is as an author, uh, I might uh, have a different focus than a lot of the folks that maybe you, you speak with on this podcast. Uh, I focus more on the ideological side of things. Right. And I, I actually looked up the definition of ideological. Um, yeah. And the definition, one definition uh, is, is from dictionary.com. The body of doctrine, myth, belief, etc., that guides an individual, social movement, institution, class, or large group. Mm -hmm. And so I like to use ideological rather than political because, oh my goodness, when I say political, uh, that carries with it a lot of connotations that I may or may not tr be trying to address. Um, right. But ideological, you know, what do you believe and what's your starting point? And that's going to impact uh, what uh, what you do with your time. And if you're a writer, you know what you write. And I ran across a quote several years ago that I really like from John Adams. And even though I'm writing in the Revolutionary War period, I'm not writing about the blood and guts, so to speak, you know, in the battles. Um, but I'm writing about what John Adams referred to as the revolution that took place in the minds and the hearts of the people. Mm. And so those ideological things that are deep within us uh, is basically what I'm focused on in my writing. And again, I write out of the concern that I have for our country mm -hmm. and I want people to have a greater understanding as to what our real history was, because so many things are out there these days about history that it's just been rewritten. Mm -hmm. And I want to be historically accurate mm -hmm. in what I'm writing. Mm. That's so good. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that approach um, where it's it's not here. You're not being you're not someone who's, who's really trying to be political, but you're going yeah. to you're going at something deeper because once we say political we often we can just divide you know often yeah. people are just kind of uh, on they're on defense just waiting to see what side you're on so yeah yeah <laughs> so they can yeah. decide to like you or 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 not like you or reject what you're going to say or accept what you're going to say and so right yeah it's right so i just trying to put the true history out there and then you know yeah let's have a dialogue as opposed to shut down it's like well let's at least start with what's accurate <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. as far as history and then yeah. and then go from there and talk about well you know what why why did they fight for this or why were there antagonists and what where did, were they each coming from uh, mm -hmm. and i think it can be a, a helpful place to start yeah so is it is there any other author news or events that you'd like to update our listeners about and also how can our writing community stay in touch with you okay well um again i'm focused right now on writing so i don't have much planned for next year as far as already in the works i've got got one conference uh that i've got scheduled for but um but uh, most of your listeners probably wouldn't fit into that category it's uh, it's a homeschool convention uh, okay. I'm, I'm focused on, you know, part of understanding uh, your marketing is knowing your audience, you know, who's your mm -hmm. target audience. And so mine would yeah. be 
uh, conservative uh, adults or conservative families with teenagers. Uh, I'm writing very much on what's considered the adult level uh, as far as, you know, the writing style. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, but yet, uh, you know, there are certainly teenagers out there that can read on that, that level as well. And homeschoolers mm-hmm. love reading history, uh, in a story format. Um, some yeah. people like reading textbooks, but most people like, prefer the stories. Um, but my website, um, is my name and I know mm-hmm. it's not the easiest to spell. So let me spell it out. Cam, yeah, C-A-M. yeah. Cam, C-A-M. <laughs> and then Molino, M-O-L. I N E U X dot com cam dot com. And because of the 250th anniversary of the Boston tea party being next year, I am hoping to get some speaking engagements, uh, you know, as, as part of that. And so if anybody's interested, I do have some topics listed on my website that I need to go back and, and fine tune a little bit, but that at least gives folks a starting point uh, for um, seeing some of the things that I speak on. And then, you know, I mean, I'd love to hear from any of your listeners if maybe something I've said uh, strikes a chord. I can't get deep in conversation. I mean, I've got various things going on, including writing, and I'm going to be going to a, a conference here in another, uh, you know, shortly. And um, but um, but would love to hear um, from any of your listeners. And then um, maybe um, I can help for that hard to buy for friend or family member. Uh, This is historically accurate novels that I'm writing and some people are real into that. And Mm -hmm. usually the people that are into that are people that can be difficult to buy for. So whether it's for a birthday or Christmas or, you know, whatever occasion. Uh, And if you want a signed and personalized copy, then feel free to contact me again through my website and I can uh, I can get that to you that way. The book is also on Amazon and, you know, uh, various places, Barnes and Noble and, you know, just all over uh, wherever wherever books are sold, as they say. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I would like to could I just explain why I felt like your podcast might be a good fit um, yeah. for my first novel because some people you know are like wait a minute we're talking about history and where does the murder and mystery and mayhem fit into all of this <laughs> yeah. um, and uh and so uh, you know i i think i mentioned to you in an email early on that murder mysteries would keep me up at night and mm-hmm. it's not because i would be reading them it'd be because i'd be having nightmares <laughs> so, oh, wow. oh, so you know i can't read scary stuff but the uh, let me tell you the first two sentences that i thought were going to be the opening to my first novel okay the first two sentences william mullineau knew he was dying the suddenness with which illness invaded his body gave rise to rumors the british had used poison to silence him wow so that sounds like a murder mystery, right? That does. <laughs> and, and and never be deterred by whatever it is that you write because it's about it's really about the journey. But that but you know history is often like just like you said, it's filled with murder mystery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so so there were two reasons I decided not to have that as my opening. I mean, I held on to those sentences for years and they were award-winning yeah. and all that. And, um, and there were two reasons I decided, I mean, the scene is later in the book, you know, toward the very end, but there were two reasons I decided not to make that my opening sentences. Uh, one is that it sounded like a murder mystery and that's really not my genre. Um, and then two, my beta readers, some of them said, I don't want to know that the main character dies at the end. Um, and so, so, you know, I thought, oh. Boy, I really hate to, you know, as we say in the writing world, I had to kill my darling. That's right. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Uh, but it is, I mean, William Molyneux, my main character, was a real person. And he was second only to Samuel Adams in his influence on the streets in Boston in the day, according to historians. And, um, but it's still being debated today as to whether or not his death was murder or suicide. 
Oh my goodness. So since wow. your 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 listeners may be interested in murder mysteries now that they know that, you know, for other Ooh. people that might be a spoiler, but now yeah. they can read the book and look for clues and try to figure out, do I think it was murder or do I think it was it was suicide? Oh uh, my and God. then the the other reason I thought your podcast would be a good fit is that at least two people, two of William Molyneux's contemporaries, uh, referred to him or accused him of being the author of the Boston Massacre. Oh, wow. And again, I'm not into scary, I'm not into blood and guts, but that was a pretty significant thing for people to say about my main character. And so that scene is in there, but I treat it with respect and I don't, I don't think it'll keep you up at night, you know, the way I handle it. Um, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't read it at, you know, right before bedtime, (laughs) (laughs) that particular scene. Uh, but, um, but yeah, he was referred to as the author of the Boston Massacre. And, um, so, you know, the people that, um, that are into, you know, that kind of thing can now read the book in such a way. It's like, wait a minute, I have some clue as to what's going to happen later Mm -hmm. on. And so you can kind of read it, uh, with that in mind. Uh, but one other, go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. I'm just going to say one other thought, uh, you know, you kind of asked for closing thoughts and I know that might've been, been more than you were asking for, but this relates to, to, um, to your listeners, any books that they read, you know, not just mine, but any books that they read, leave reviews, Mm -hmm. leave reviews. I had no idea what a big deal that was until I became an author. And, yeah. uh, and those are huge. I mean, we, as, as you know, anybody that buy, purchases anything online, you're looking for reviews. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, there's marketing aspects of that as well. Um, and so it's just a really big deal to leave reviews. I mean, obviously, if you're going to give a one star review, it's probably best if you don't. <laughs> you know four or five you know leave a review if it's free then you know be be constructive in your criticism and that kind of a thing um but leaving reviews are leaving a really, reviews. really big that, deal oh that's a great note to end on and yeah. and also i i just want to let you know that it's been a true pleasure to hang out with you pam um, you've taught us so much you taught us to know your target audience you you taught us the importance of networking and building that platform plat- platform from the ground up just as you would in construction and to leave reviews. So yeah. listeners, please don't forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Ooh.